Well, good morning. My name is Slim. I'm one of the pastors here at Mosaic. If I have yet to meet you, I would love to do so after the service. Um, and today, the, the title of my sermon is uh, Stay Salty, My Friends, uh, The Point of Christianity. So stay salty, not in the sense that some of y'all are salty, but in a, in a different way. I want you to, for a second, close your eyes and imagine a world without salt. Can you think of this atrocity? Can you imagine going to a restaurant and not salting your chips? Can you imagine saltless pretzels? Those exist and you can buy them from HEB and I'm mad about it. You may open your eyes. Thankfully, we don't live in that horror of a world. We live in a world with salt. And sometimes we just, just, like, to, just like to eat salt, right? You, am I the only one that does this? Some of y'all are crazy with me. It's not the healthiest thing probably just to eat pure salt like that all the time. I don't do it all the time. I don't know what to do with this now. Okay. <laughs> we'll clean that up later. Um, and as, as wonderfully glorious salt is... Um, we, it's not like as if, as if it's a modern invention. Uh, salt is the, the OG of flavors. It's been around for a very, very long time. However, it's not been as prevalent as it is today. It's not on every single table. Uh, back in the day, uh, when salt was hard to come by, it was a commodity. It was valuable. You ever heard someone say, um, that person is worth their salt? Do you know why they say that? Well, because it was such a hot commodity in those days, uh, Roman soldiers would, would get partially paid in bags of salt. And so after a hard days of work, you come home with your bag of salt. Honey, I got salt. <laughs> cool. What else are we going to do with that? You know, so you got paid with that. And the wages that they would get in these monthly wages was something, the word for that in Latin, uh, see if I can pronounce it, is salarium argentum. Salarium argentum, and the root word there of salarium is where we also get the word salary. So, if you ever have received a salary, hopefully you have, then you now have this connection to salt. Did you know salt was this important to your life? You may not have known, but now you know. We're not just doing a history lesson this morning. Uh, we, are, we are traversing through the Sermon on the Mount, and we've just finished the Beatitudes. And as we are exiting the Beatitudes, the first thing Jesus says is in Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. And Jesus' point here is that you are the salt of the earth, also that this is the point of what it means to be a Christian. If the Beatitudes were telling you what a Christian is, what he's now about to tell you is what a Christian does. This is what it looks like. This is what you do as a Christian. You are salt. So today we're going to talk about salt, and the way we'll talk about that is what it does, what it is, and what's its power. What it does, what it is, and what's its power. So what does salt do? As many of y'all probably just normally think of, it flavors, yes, but it has two, two reasons for it. It preserves in flavors. Let's talk about that first one, that it preserves now, in those days, as, as rare as it was, um, it was also valuable because they didn't have refrigerators back in the day. Think of the nightmare world that is as well, right? <laughs> what, what, how did people last? Right? They, they didn't have refrigerators. And so, oddly enough, if you salt your meat, 
which all of us love to do. But if you salt your meat, it doesn't just give it flavor, it preserves it. It actually effectively acts as a way to kill the bacteria so that meat, if you've left some meat out and you've smelled the rancid smell of putrefying meat, some of y'all might have smelled something when you came in the door today. I don't know, there was something going on, a little, little, little funky over there. Uh, you might have smelled something like that. Salt preserves it. It fights against the decay. And so, what is Jesus saying? Well, one, he's saying, if he says you are the salt of the earth, he's making a distinction between you and the earth. So, one, salt is different from that which it salts. Are, are we different than the world? Hmm, interesting. Second, he's also implying that the world, like a piece of meat, is decaying and rotting and putrefying. And the salt acts as a way to preserve and fight against the decaying process of this world that is falling right before our very eyes. Now, I think most of us can see this just every single day you turn open on the news. Like, does anyone have any trust in any institution at all? Do you trust any institution? Do you trust anybody? Or is there just a growing pessimism in everything? I, I, I'm guilty. A couple weeks ago, I, I went to Home Depot, and I, I was getting a giant piece of plywood, these eight-foot by four-foot pieces of plywood, and it's on the little cart. But to get it out of the cart into the back of my truck is kind of a big deal uh, with one person. And so I'm trying to pick this thing up, and I'm like using my back to get it into my truck, and up comes this stranger, and he's like, hey, dude, you need some help? And so then I look, and I, he just looked like he was going to follow that question with, and if you die tonight, do you know where you would go? And so I was just like, nah, I'm good. It's, <laughs> I awkwardly you know, put the wood in the back of my truck and move on. Am I just cynical? Later, I saw him walking the parking lot, trying to, to sell Jesus to people. So I, I, I think I was right. I think I saw it. Um, and I did not want any part of that. But am I the only one that's cynical about this? I feel like we have that same cynicism uh, in every sphere of life. Like you cannot trust anyone, any institution, any, any, any businesses. We see how corrupt businesses go with the greed just overwhelming them. We could see it. Let's not even go outside. Let's go inside. You could see it in the church. You see how corrupt the church is. You see how corrupt pastors are. I mean, just list the names. Ravi Zacharias, Mark Driscoll, Bill Hybels, Bickle. I mean, it's just, it, it goes on and on and on. It's disgusting. We see it in our political leaders. You're like, everything is corrupt. And so you just wonder, like, I, I don't trust anybody. I, 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 only people I trust right now are you and me, and sometimes I worry about you. <laughs> so that's a really dark place to be in, yes? And that's where I think many of us have found ourselves. There is a growing pessimism about anything and everything in life, which is why I believe one of the greatest callings the church has right now is to be the salt of the earth, and it's to be different. And it's to be what Scott McKnight calls a church called Tove. 
There's a book here. I think we have a little image of it here. Have you heard of this, uh, this book? A church called Tov. Tov is the, the Hebrew word for good. And so what he argues is that we need to be a, just a good church, <laughs> which sounds like a very low bar. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> but it's not. It's, it, what he, he argues for is that when God created the world, at the, at the end of each day, and he says, and he saw that it was good. He saw that, that the sky was good, that the land was good, that the plants were good, that humans were good. And if we're wanting to fight the pessimism of the world, we have to be able to, to look and to fight for the inherent goodness and beauty that is right here in this world. And so if that's the case, as we see the world, they may, it may have its agenda with its power, uh, accumulating power and building their own kingdoms and, and coercing others. But Christians, we have to be different than the world. We have to be salt, agents that fight the decay, fight the putrefaction, and not with culture warring type fighting, but a fighting that's, that's more like what, what John Perkins um, was, was known for. Y'all know who John Perkins is John Perkins grew up uh, in, in the Jim Crow South, and, and he, he experienced the ugly tendrils, as Malcolm likes to use, of racism. He was, he was beaten to a pulp by the local police, and he, he wanted to get out of Mississippi. And so he moves away. He goes to California. He wanted to never go back, never, never see that place again, just with brimming with hatred. But he becomes a Christian while out in California. And out of love, out of pure love, not revenge, moves back into his community. And out of love, fights the racism, fights the bigotry, fights the hatred with not the weapons of the world, but with love. And he's known for having love be his, the loudest song that he sings, louder than hatred, louder than, ha than racism, louder than bitterness, is love that drives him. He's, he, he has this great line, it says, love is the final fight, Switchfoot made it famous, that love is the final fight, and that's the type of fight that we need to fight. That is salt. That is being salt in the earth and fighting decay of our world, of our country, and so that's what I want us to be. And sometimes you don't, you don't even have to work hard at this type of fight. A, to be a salty Christian, not, not like a combative salty type, but to be a salty Christian, all you have to do is just live out your values as a Christian. As you enter into the workplace, your coworkers notice and change. They modify their language. They change who they are based on who you claim to be. You notice this? Your friends, your co your, 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 your roommates, they change because of who you are. Sometimes as a pastor, I try to hide it to like, I'm a pastor. <laughs> but it, it does. It has, a, it has a preserving effect on the people around us when they know who we actually are. And you don't have to, you have to use it with words all the time. You can just use it with love and with, with peace and grace. And so this salt has this, this preserving effect. It, it, it goes after that. Uh, but it, salt is not just a preservative, it's also a flavor. And uh, anyone here love to put salt on their food, some of us more than others, uh, know that salt is the best because it, it brings out 
the flavor of the, the food itself, right? It doesn't change the flavor. It brings out the flavor of the food. And so salt acts um, as a servant to that. Not to serve itself, but to serve the, the thing it's working on. And that's what we are called to do as Christians, to, to actually serve and love this world. And so it's not as if it's just preservative so that when you go to a party, Christian, uh, other people are like, oh, no, here comes the Christian. Change what we have to do. Change what you have to say. It's not that way. Now, some people might live that way, but that's not what we're talking about here. Not, not trying to make people hide their truest selves. Salt is supposed to bring out the best of what it's salting. So Christians are to bring out the best of the people around them. That they're trying to bring out your, your, your best version of you. Like, I know there's, a, there's something better inside of you than just all of that anger and hatred. A Christian is, is bringing that out. It's enhancing the flavors that are already there. Why? Because we believe other people around us are created tove. They are created good. And so we are going to fight for that goodness, fight for that beauty and for that good and bring that best version of them out. Now, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth when? Right after the last verse in the Beatitudes where he says that you will be persecuted. Interesting that that's the verse right after that. Because if you're being told that you will be persecuted, it's not a maybe, but it is a definitive, you will be persecuted. A natural temptation then for all of us is to protect ourselves. And so if that's the case, I will be persecuted in the world, then I'm going to hide away from the world. Yeah? I'm going to shelter myself. I'm going to live like a monk and be in my own little room, and I'm not going to be able to engage with the world so they don't, they don't persecute me. And Jesus says right after that verse, no, you are the salt of the earth. And so another thing that this means is that you have to be in the world. You actually have to be in the world to be able to salt the world, to be able to bring the goodness out of the world. Do you, do you find yourself in the world? Or are you just only around other Christians? Do you, do you see yourselves in spaces where you actually can salt? I think this is a critical verse here for us to be able to, to push, put this in. There's some ways that we try to encourage you as a church to be in the world. Um, we have eight ways that we put on our website of, of acting with mercy and justice. And kind of the first ones are very, very, like, let's work outwards to where you live, where you work, where you worship. But now if you want to jump in on some ways to get into the world, if you're not, you can jump in with us in the education realm. You can jump in with us, uh, where are we at? I lost my spot. No, with foster care, with homeless ministry, with, with uh, food insecurity, with being community partners. We have many, many different ways for you to jump in. And so if you find yourself, you're like, I'm not actually able to salt the earth because I'm not with the earth. I've been away from it. I've removed myself. Well, Christians, we don't view the world with this, with, it's such a us and them. Like, we love the world so much, and it's out of this deep love for the world. We don't hate it. It's out of deep love for the world that we actually want to salt it. We actually want to bring out its inherent goodness. And so that we can see laughter in our friends. And we can see joy. And that's attractive to the world. They want, they want to be a part of that. And so another way of saying this is as we are trying to draw out from the world, uh, instead of the world enters a room or enters a company or enters an organization and says, what can it do for me? A Christian enters in and says, what can I do for it? 
How can I bring, how can I make this the best possible place it can be? How can I make this sorority, this, this club, this church, how can I make this company the best it can possibly be? That's how, that's how a Christian interacts with the world. And that's what God is calling us to. It's to add value in this way and just simply ask, how can I help? And so that, that's what salt does. Um, but now let's talk about what salt is, what it is. Um, and honestly, salt is a miracle. Um, some of y'all know, what, what, what's the chemical compound of salt? Sodium chloride. I heard a couple right answers, maybe one wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, sodium chloride. What it, why it's a miracle is because it's two elements that if you consume separately is crazy dangerous and poisonous. So if you're just going to consume chloride, hydrochloric acid, what happens, right? Bad things. So some two elements that are very, very dangerous if consumed separately, but putting them together, magically, they become essential to life. You actually need salt. And so it's just this wildly magical element here. And, and so although wildly magical in a miracle, it's also just kind of boring because salt is just a bunch of little rocks, right? <laughs> Do you guys like eating rocks? I mean, it's the only rock that we eat. Like, hmm, granite, so good, so good, right? This is, it's, it's kind of, it's miraculous and boring. Um, it's, it's dangerous and essential to life. And so it's this, this beautiful paradox. Salt is just this beautiful paradox, which I think is a helpful way to describe Christians. That there's this beautiful paradox like, mm, you should be this, but you're this. You should be this, or you're this. And if you're separate, you're really bad, uh, right? And this is where I think Jesus goes in the second half of verse 13. He says in verse 13, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, in those days, rarely would you get pure sodium chloride the way they got their salt was there at the dead sea the dead sea full of salt and all the salt extracts on, on on the edges of the sea and they would get all that salt and so that you could have a block uh, of salt that was mixed with other number of minerals and so you sometimes wouldn't have pure salt and many times you would not have pure salt but there's times where you wouldn't have salt at all and so you just throw it away the salt wasn't different enough from the world. And Christians who are not different enough from the world, Jesus is saying, should be thrown away. It's a rough, rough verse. And yet, when you see Israel in that day behaving like everyone else with the power politics and the factional squabbles and militant revolutions, you're going, are you any different than the world? Have you even been reached by this good news? Throw it away. And so God is asking, like, how, how am I supposed to keep the meat from spoiling when we're just, we're, we're packing this meat, not with salt, but just with other minerals, other rocks. And it, the world is decaying and putrefying right before our very eyes. Let's get rid of that so we can give it real salt. And so do you see how relevant this is? I mean, do you see how relevant this is to our world today? We're like, 
it, it, are Christians any different than the rest of the world? Do we live any differently? Do our, do, if you were to distinguish Christians, like, oh, this is, this is how Christians live, and this is how the rest of the world lives, you're like, mm, doesn't seem like much difference. Jesus is saying this is really serious. If that's true, then we have a worthless Christianity. And it should be thrown away. It's almost like Jesus is singing that song. Salt, mm, good God, yo. What is it good for? Absolute no. Sing it again. That's all I have. Um, <laughs> salt, what is, what is a saltless Christianity? It is inauthentic Christianity. Inauthentic Christianity. It's, it's what we call, I, I call ticket to heaven Christianity. Do you know what ticket to heaven Christianity is? It's I said the sinner's prayer. I, I believe the right things. And I've got my ticket. I'm good. I'll see you, Lord, on the last day. And I put my ticket in my wallet and I pull it out at the last day. That's ticket to heaven Christianity and that's saltless Christianity. It lives no differently than the rest of the world. And a test to be able to see if you are living a saltless Christianity would be this. Can you be a Christian and support Hitler? It seems like an obvious question in our day today. It wasn't as obvious in their day. In fact, the majority of the churches and majority of pastors in Germany supported Hitler. Can you be a Christian and support Hitler? Do you have your ticket to, to heaven and you make no impact on the world that you live in? That's, that's, sometimes we have to be able to get out of our own culture and our own selves to be able to look back and go, oh, that's what it means. I actually have to be bold enough to challenge and to preserve the, the, the fighting decay in our world, in our own churches. And there, there were some, there were some, there, were, there was one pastor, German pastor, Martin Niemuller, um, who was imprisoned under, uh, because of his opposition to Nazis uh, and their regime. And he was actually interrogated by Hitler himself. And he says this to Hitler, you can imprison me and you can torture me and you can kill me, but one day you will give an account to the one who is the king of kings and lord of lords. Whew. Do you have the courage to be salt in this world? Do you have the courage to be able to, to speak like that? That is true salt. Like that, that is that's fighting against the decay in this world. And yet contaminated salt supports Hitler. Contaminated salt supports monsters like Hitler. And there are monsters like Hitler here today. It covers up abuse. It craves power. It professes Christianity, but it's just words. It's just words. And as contaminated salt, if you pour it out on the grass, it will kill the grass. And just as contaminated salt can just kill that which is around it, Christians, contaminated Christians will kill all that's around us. And we are ruining our witness saying we believe in Jesus and living no differently than the rest of the world. 
This is what Jesus is calling us to be, to the salt of the earth. You cannot be a saltless salt. It's an oxymoron. And so we've seen what it does. We've seen what it is. But now what's its power? What is the power of salt? The power of salt, do this one more time. You're not going to be able to see, which is the point. If I were to take one grain of salt and place it on your steak, would it taste any different? The power of salt is that it's never alone. You don't just put one grain of salt on your chip. Ah, much better. No, if you're like my dad, you're just going and going and going. Unhealthy. I wonder where I got it. Uh, no, the power of salt is that it is never alone. And that the power of being a Christian is that you are part of a spirit-filled community and you are never alone. And why is that important? Here's, let, me, let me illustrate why that's important. Because this. Uh, let's do a little, little experiment. Everyone... If you have something in your hands, go ahead and put it down. And let's let everyone cross your arms with me. Can we all cross our arms? Okay. The way you have your arms crossed right now is the right way to cross your arms. That's the way you've crossed them for your whole life. You will never cross them differently. However, however you have it now, if mine's right hand over my left arm, switch it. It's, isn't that difficult? It's really hard. Right? Same, same thing. All right, everyone, hands down. Wiggle it out. Okay? Now let's cross our, our fingers. This is the right way that you've crossed your fingers for the rest of your life, and it's how you will cross your fingers for the rest, the, the rest of your life. Now, I have left hand over right thumb. Switch it. If you have, it, if you have left over right, now let's do right over left. I did it on first try, which is wild, but usually I have to think about it. It's difficult, isn't it? And as difficult as it is, just to change that small little habit of crossing your arms or crossing your fingers differently, how much harder would it be to fight against the decay in our communities, to fight against the lust for power, to fight against the greed and the selfishness you cannot do it alone. It is impossible for you to take on the medicine world, for you to take on the, the educational world. It's impossible to do that, to take on poverty alone. You cannot do it alone, but you are not alone. You are never alone. And the power of salt is that you are never alone. You are a part of a com spirit-filled community where God is saying, I am in Matthew 28, the end of this book in Matthew, Jesus says, I am with you to the ends of the age. And so you are with other Christians, but you also have Jesus with you wherever you may go. And so if you are, if you are out there working and striving and getting killed and, and stressed out and going like, I should probably give up. No one else is in, in, in this with me. Remember, you are not alone. And if you feel alone, invite others into it. Because you're not supposed to go it alone. We have to kill this Lone Ranger Christianity. 
This is the power. It's, it's that we are coming together. Like the, the early church was so powerful because it was an alternative community in the, in the early days. It was an alternative polis. We, we, we hate the term politics. We're like, oh, no. Like politics is just how we care about our shared common good. And the early church cared so much about the common good that it was known as this alternative community. It was this upside down kingdom, had a different set of values. While the world valued lust, we valued love. While the world valued self, we valued generosity. It was just constantly giving to the world around it. Instead of accumulating, it was giving it away. And this is why the church was known for taking in the poor, for caring for the infected, for taking in children who were just left out in the streets. And it's because of this that the the kingdom exploded. It wasn't evangelism in the Home Depot parking lot. (laughs) It was a different type of evangelism. It was a different type of evangelism. It was going after those, and it was just being a salty community. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says it this way, the glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. It is then that the world is made to listen to her message, though it may hate her, may, may hate it at first. And so if we are different, and I know that's a big if, if we are different, we are proclaiming a contrast society that the world looks at at first and may say, that looks a little weird, but also is attracted to it. It says, I want part of that. The way you cared for your neighbor, like where does that come from? I, I want to know who you know. I want to know who you're worshiping. And so who does the world think we worship? How can you be the salt of the earth this week? Are you in, in the world? That's step one. <laughs> Finding yourself in there. It's to be a preservative. It's to preserve. It's to flavor. It's to, it's to, to shout the love of Christ in every, every realm, in every room that we find ourselves in. And to know that you're not doing it alone. Yes, it might be in your work. It might be in your home. It might be with your, your roommates. But know that you are never alone. It's the church. We as a church are doing this together. And so if we are different, we are proclaiming something that the world just can't get enough of. Y'all, I just want to encourage you to to think about that this week. To think about salt, not just in its, its sodium chloride form there, but what is Jesus calling you to? Let's stay salty. Let me pray.